If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everyone, it's Los. Week 8 is just about upon us. Wow. Hope you've uh, hope you've got plenty of wins. Hope you've not got not too many losses. Um, regardless, now's not the time to give up. Now's the time to double down, make it work. Yeah, and I, I would think many would agree when I say that I think Week Seven has been the best slate of games so far this year. It's certainly been a fun week. Uh, we'll see after tonight. If the Bears win, maybe we can say it was the best week. I don't know. <laughs> well, either way, we got to see two uh, previously undefeated teams in Pittsburgh and Tennessee facing off. And we got to see an epic shootout in Ohio between Burrow and Baker. And just a ton of great games this week. Uh, I actually made made up some ground on our pickums for the season. With uh, You absolutely did. Congratulations. Applause to you, Mung. But... I had I had the dogs picked in those, and I almost came out with both of them on top if it wasn't for some bull crap. You're not wrong, but I think my philosophy hinges on not betting on Atlanta. It's a it's a great philosophy that I'm probably going to adhere to for the rest of the season. I actually saw uh, an interesting tweet earlier this morning about the Falcons' record. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick here. I just want to share because it was very interesting. It says, per, this is per at StatMuse, and it says that the Falcons' win probability in the fourth quarter against the Cowboys was 99.9%. Uh, against the Bears was 99.6%. And against the Lions this past week was 95.9%. Well, well, suffice it to say, that's why they play the games on the field and not on the paper, not on the calculator. Yeah, it was sad. Uh, we saw uh, we saw Arthur Blank standing on the sideline in his suit yet again, uh, just looking sad and dejected as the Falcons inevitably lost. Can't feel too bad for him. He's been to Super Bowls. He's done okay. Well, I mean, I don't think he's happy with the results of that Super Bowl. No, <laughs> but at least he got there, right? Consolation prize. Yeah, well, the first loser, I guess. I don't know. Yep, yep, yep. Number two. But uh, you know who aren't losers? It's the people. No, who who aren't losers? <laughs> it's the people who are playing the on only Thrive Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can turn that around uh, because you guys could win with Thrive Fantasy if you like to make prop bets each week because... If so, uh, Thrive Fantasy is perfect for you, offering DFS-style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week, and you compete against other players on how many you get right. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under, based on its likelihood to occur. And the more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping to place and win money. Thrive has paid out over $1.5 million in prizes since launching in 2018. And if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up and deposit $20 minimum, you'll receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account. 
Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. Who doesn't like more foot football? Who doesn't like more ways to play? Yeah, there's uh, a lot of great games to uh, pick the props on this week, starting with our Thursday night game, Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. And this Carolina secondary has actually been playing way better than expected this year, but Julio and Ridley remain fairly safe starts. And Russell Gage, too, got a little bit more involved this past week. He remains in that boomer bust wide receiver four range. And then it's worth mentioning that Hayden Hurst has been playing more snaps and getting more targets now with Julio back in the lineup. So he's actually been a pretty viable back end tight end one. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head exactly here. It's uncanny how much better Julio Jones's presence makes this offense. Uh, Hurst and Gage are back in play. The offense should be able to uh, keep scoring because Carolina, we know, is going to score at will. At score at will. Uh, great matchup here for Gurley on the ground. He is dominating touches for this team. Yeah, uh, even though he got that second accidental touchdown, we'll call it against the Lions. I'm sure his points uh, are points. Yeah, I'm sure the people who had him on. Their fantasy rosters were pretty okay with him accidentally not icing the game. And, and say uh, what you will, I still think that's the correct play. Maybe maybe you down it and then you go for it on the next score after you take some time off. But you can't argue with putting a touchdown on the board. Your defense needs to be able to hold a team that is not good for a minute to a minute and a half. Like that That's inexcusable. That's on the defense. That is not on Todd Gurley. Mm, I mean, sure, it's on the defense, but you know, you you wait until there's three seconds left and you kick a twenty-yard field goal. That's uh, I think the odds of that are pretty good. Yeah, that's also not. I, I mean, you've been a Bears fan long enough to know that field goals, no matter what distance they are, are no sure thing. Sure, but I mean, inside the stadium with Young Way Koo being a very good kicker, I think you take that field goal. But mm. what's past yeah. is past. Either way, uh, the Falcons were on their way to a loss. Uh, we're on their way to a lost season either way. So uh, moving on to the Carolina side here, um, or excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah, the Carolina, Carolina. side. Uh, I do love this matchup for Bridgewater, Anderson, Moore. Like you said, they're going to probably score Will. Curtis Samuel, not the worst play either. And, you know, it sounds like one more game of Mike Davis here with the Panthers trying to be conservative with McCaffrey, giving him that extra 10 days to heal up and get back to 100%. Atlanta can't stop anyone. Teddy Bridgewater is a streaming play here. Yeah, uh, like I said, love them all, and I am going to take Carolina here. Yeah, absolutely. Not making that mistake twice, but I would have picked Carolina anyways. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> kicking off the Sunday games here uh, at the noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern slate. The New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. The two and four Patriots uh, don't say that very much. But uh, they are reeling right now. I'm old enough to remember a couple weeks ago when Cam Newton was supposed to be a huge win for the Patriots, upgrading from Brady. But uh, it's been tough sledding. Uh, I don't know if any of these wide receivers are really good plays. We saw Jacoby Myers get a little bit more involved, but I would think that Edelman is probably still the safest play here if you're looking for a flex, uh, just based on volume. And I guess Newton uh, is a startable QB too, but you're really hoping for a bunch of rush yards and maybe a touchdown on the ground because he really hasn't done much as a passer here. 
Yeah, even uh, the Golden Boy, the sure thing, James White had less than two points, fewer than two points this week. Um, he and Cam, like you said, should be okay starts here, but I would just do my best to avoid this team this week uh, on the road against a Buffalo team that's going to be angry. Yeah, and they should be angry because they barely beat the Jets, <laughs> only yep. scoring field goals. Uh, I, man, that, I know they're dealing with some injuries, but it, it's a pretty bad sign when you can't score a single touchdown against the Jets. I agree. I think those sort of weeks will come with Josh Allen. He's looked like a world beater this year. They've talked about him for, uh, you know, as an MVP candidate. But this is still early in his career. I think he's got some uh, some creases to iron out of his shirt, so to speak. Uh, I'm avoiding both these running backs here, of course, if I can. I, I think at this point it's pretty darn clear that the team wants Zach Moss to be the lead guy. And I think it's very much worth noting that Cole Beasley becomes essentially Jamison Crowder in games that John Brown is injured or misses. Mung, don't let me forget that. Cole Beasley when John Brown's hurt. Yeah, I, I put a sizable note in the waiver wire column. We've been talking about him for weeks, and uh, I, I don't know what else we need to say to get people to pick him up. But, um, yeah, like you said, with the running backs, it's become pretty much a 50-50 split. I don't know if they necessarily want Zach Moss to take over, but both of them are just flex plays right now. If that yeah, uh, you're not wrong. No and upside. I mean, my flex plays, I like upside. I'm not a floor flex guy, uh, and neither of them have upside, especially against New England. Not that, you know, they're they're the defense of last year, but just not a I, – I, I would – I don't know what the line is, but I'm guessing I would take the under in this week. Yeah, and I'm a little nervous about Stefan Diggs, too. Uh, he gets a slight downgrade, likely to see a lot of Stefan Gilmore this week. Uh, right. In the end here, right. though, I, I do think that – Sean McDermott can pull some tricks out of his sleeve, get this Bills team back on track. I'm still going to take Buffalo at home. Oh, yeah, Buffalo Bills should win this game. Alrighty, next game up is going to be the Tennessee Titans at the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a predictably rough game for Jonu Smith against a tough Steelers defense that's very good at the safety position and at stopping tight ends, but he should bounce back fine this week uh, along with Tannehill, Brown, and Henry. You're starting all of them without reservation here. Without question. Uh, I think Corey Davis is starting to be worth a look more consistently. I know, call me crazy, but he should at the very least be on rosters. I think he's fine. Uh, he's a wide receiver four. I don't know that he has to be rostered, but uh, in a pinch, you could certainly do worse here. I'd play him over the, uh, the Buffalo boys, the running backs. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. There you go. Then it's worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, but I don't know that I'm excited either about Davis. Yeah. On the Bengals side here, uh, should be another good matchup for Burrow, who's been playing well despite his offensive line issues. If Joe Mixon is out again, Gio Bernard is going to be a back-end RB2. He's certainly dominated the workload against Cleveland this past week. Yeah, this is going to be a test, I think, for the rookie quarterback, but I think he's going to get a passing grade. Uh, like you said, Bernard gets more than enough work in the passing game to lock him in as a uh, running back, too. Would like to see Mixon get back for this game, but if Bernard's uh, the guy, Bernard's the guy. And the uh, wide receivers, A.J. Green, sure, he uh, got 13 targets, had a nice game. 
I think I really want to say that it's uh, that it's the rookie T Higgins going forward, but AJ Green is going to be annoyingly there for for a little while longer. He's a great player. He's he's the same age, if not a couple months younger than than Julio. So not surprising that he's uh, he's lingering around. But I'm not starting him. Well, I mean, I think all three are getting a lot of targets, so I, I could see starting all of them uh, at flex. Uh, Boyd probably the best bet out of those three, but um, yeah. we've talked about T. Higgins quite a bit on our waiver wire section over the last couple of weeks, and he remains our priority add at wide receiver. And as you said, with the added upside, um, it's possible that the Bengals could move A.J. Green before the trade deadline. And if that were to happen, then I think... Higgins would become a strong wide receiver to play week in and week out. Absolutely. I think there were some whispers about the Packers, but who knows? Uh, it would certainly make sense, I would think. <laughs> we saw yep. Devontae Adams get 50,000 targets, so uh, at some point, you know, you got to go to somebody <laughs> hey, else. Hey, if he's converting them like that, they don't need a wide receiver, too. Uh, fair enough. Um, all right. I'm going to take the Titans here. Yeah, I take the Titans here. This is a Derrick Henry game. Yes, definitely. Uh, next up, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders at the Cleveland Browns. And, man, Tampa's mm. Bay's, Tampa Bay's defense is one of the best in the league, so I'm not too worried about that dud from Josh Jacobs. Uh, but right. on the one hand, though, it is a little bit concerning that he played less than 50% of the snaps because with the Raiders trailing for a lot of that game, Jacobs really didn't play much on third downs. Jalen Rashard and Devontae Booker got heavily involved. Uh, it's good to see that Jacobs still saw four targets on early downs, but this definitely caps his ceiling in terms of Gruden apparently deciding that, you know, he doesn't want to use him as a true workhorse. Yeah, I, I, it still keeps him in your starting lineup. It doesn't dip him that much further than I, I, he's locked in as a top 15 running back rest of season in my estimation anyways, just because there's so many issues going on at the running back position right now, right? Yeah, but I think it definitely, you know, I don't think he has that top five upside right now as we thought he could early in the season when he was getting a ton of passing down work. Right. The pass game, on the other hand, I think this could be a pretty darn good spot start area for uh, for Derek Carr. (laughs) There I go. Uh, He's finding a real nice connection with his wide receivers now. Aguilar is becoming the man he was drafted to be by Philadelphia. Darren Waller's doing what he does best. Um Against Cleveland, who is who just allowed 400-plus to Joe Burrow, I think this could be a real good pl- uh, place to play Derek Carr. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, I think he's one of the top streaming options this week, especially coming off of that bye, uh, you know, well-rested, but they got beat by the Bucks. They're going to be out for some blood as well. Yep. All right, uh, on the, on the uh, excuse me, on the Cleveland side here, huge loss with, Odell Beckham out for the year with that torn ACL. Obviously, this upgrades Jarvis Landry in terms of target share, but Rashard Higgins and Harrison Bryant are worth mentioning as well. Uh, Higgins tied Landry for the lead in targets with six each after Beckham left that game. And Harrison Bryant could be worth a look uh, at tight end because even with Austin Hooper back from his appendectomy this week, uh, the Browns could use even more two tight end sets now with Beckham out and Brian seems to have leaped Njoku on the death chart. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this offense right now. I think there's a few different questions and factors going on. Um, prior to this week, there was talk again about David Njoku requesting a trade. I wonder if that had any part to do with Harrison Bryant jumping him a little bit. Njoku still 
uh, still had a fine game, still scored a touchdown here. Um, but he did use the tight ends quite a bit. So the two tight end call is not a bad one by you. Uh, Richard Higgins and um, Donovan Peoples-Jones filled in really well in Odell Beckham's absence. But call me nuts. I think Baker looked better with Beckham off the field. I don't know. I don't know what to make of that, but it just looked like all of a sudden something clicked. Mm, I don't know that I'd go that far. I think they were just kind of fired up after the injury. I mean, Cincinnati's defense isn't exactly lights out here. No, no, it's not. All that being said, uh, maybe this will be another Baker Mayfield. Would love to see him prove me wrong, but I, I do think the Raiders are the better team. Just got smashed by the Bucks. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to take Cleveland here. Um, I, yeah, I'm taking the Raiders. So I thought I was going to get a little space on you here. Nope, not not on that one at least. We'll see about the rest. Hmm. I right. think so far we've been in lockstep here. Yep, no fun. All right, the next game up, the Indianapolis Colts at the Detroit Lions. Uh, and this Lions run defense has improved drastically over the last couple weeks, but Jonathan Taylor still a nice RB2 option who should get plenty of work here. None of the other Colts really excite for fantasy purposes. T.Y. Hilton probably the best option as a flex. Totally agree. I'm hoping to see a lot of Jonathan Taylor here after the bye. Maybe the sort of thing like we saw from, well, not this past week, but two weeks ago with uh, with um, DeAndre Swift after their bye, starting to convert more for the rookie, give him a little more uh give him a little more of the uh, uh, responsibility. Hopefully this is the week that Jonathan Taylor becomes what I want him to be. Yeah, we can only hope. And um, on the Lions side here, speaking of DeAndre Swift, again, he outplayed Adrian Peterson, but the workload is still very much split, uh, which was one of the big concerns coming into the year for Swift. Still 11 carries for Peterson versus 9 for Swift, including some goal line looks for AP as well. Uh, But that said, Swift has pretty much phased out carry on Johnson in the passing game. He saw five targets to just one for Peterson. Uh, so I do think that Swift remains a high-end RB3 reflex, and he's someone that I would consider trading for because, as you said, uh, we could see these rookies start to get more and more work, and, uh, you know, the upside is certainly there. Could certainly see the potential there. I would avoid throwing him in a lineup this week. This week I'm only playing Galladay. I think Indianapolis is going to really clamp down on Detroit here. Um, I don't mind Swift at flex. I, I do think that they're giving him enough work uh, to give him a decent floor in PPR formats here. All right. I am leaning Detroit here, but I'm not super sure. Uh, I just feel like they've been they've been playing better in that last minute comeback against the Falcons. Maybe this gives them a little kick in the butt. They certainly have, but uh, that comeback against the Falcons was against, of course, the Falcons. Uh, Indy is going to stomp on their their uh, their throats this week, I think. Ooh, all right, we'll see. Maybe this will be another opportunity for me. There you go. I got to give them to you, right? Yeah. I mean, I, well, I think you just pick the best teams, right? It's no fun if you're just, you know, ahead two games and you keep picking the same teams. Yeah, no, you got you got you got to play the game. All right, the next matchup here is going to be an NFC North showdown. Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. It's going to be interesting to see if Jair Alexander shadows Justin Jefferson like he did against Will Fuller this past week. Uh, I said I was worried about Fuller on last week's show, and he had just three catches for 35 yards, though that late touchdown did save his fantasy day. 
I'm fading Jefferson a little bit, uh, but he has played over 27% of his snaps from the slot this year, so I do think that he can remain a decent boomer bust flex play if he can get away for a few snaps into the slot here. Uh, Thielen, of course, though, should be a great play, assuming that Kirk Cousins does go to him a ton uh, if Alexander is indeed on Jefferson. And then finally, keep an eye on Irv Smith as well, who has been trending up prior to their bye this past week. Over the last two games before the bye, Smith was playing 68% of the offensive snaps and then 79%. Why do you think Alexander would shadow Jefferson? I think he's the more explosive wide receiver at this point over the veteran Thielen. Hmm. I mean, I could see that, but I, I just don't think NFL defenses would view it that way just yet. Maybe. But I, I, don't, I don't think so. I just think... Yet. It, that, that is a really interesting point and a good storyline to watch for this week because um, it can give us uh, insight into their second matchup down the line, which is going to be equally important for your fantasy season, right? Well, this is the second matchup, isn't it? I think they played week one. Oh, oh you're right. That's why That's why we didn't see what they did with uh, Justin Jefferson. Right? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, he didn't. Uh, <laughs> he just wasn't playing much uh, at that point. So I think... You know, this is. I think this could be a closer game with Jefferson now integrated into that offense, and especially, you know, coming off of that bye, maybe they even worked him in on more concepts. It certainly could be if Minnesota's defense was not Minnesota's defense. Fair. Uh, I don't. I don't know that they're going to win this game, but I think it'll be a lot closer than that first matchup. I hope so. I, I hope for a lot more exciting game than that one. Yeah, and on the Green Bay side here, though, how about Devontae Adams? Did you watch that game? Man. I I saw the vast majority of Devontae Adams' catches, absolutely. Um, Aaron Jones as well. There doesn't seem to be too much concern about his calf. I think he'll be a safe start, assuming he gets in a couple practices this week. And then, man, they could really use another wide receiver. Jamal Williams was the number two guy uh, in terms of receptions behind uh, Devontae Adams. And I, I don't know that he's more than, you know, just an RB4 again, though, with Jones back. Agreed. Uh, but if, if Jones does miss at this point, rest of season, if it, Green Bay doesn't go out and get somebody else to bring into the wide receiver room, heck, even if they do, it can take a while for wide receivers to transition. If Jones misses any time, Williams is a locked-in upside running back, too. Yeah, and don't forget about Alan Lazard, who could be back uh, this week or right. next. Uh, definitely someone to keep your eye on uh, on the waivers um, if you're looking for help at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, Robert Tunyon, he didn't do a whole lot against Houston. Uh, he remains that touchdown-dependent tight end two option, which was one of the reasons he was a recommended sell uh, after <laughs> that three-touchdown game against the Falcons. Yep, hell of opportunities to, to come, but tight ends always have up-and-down weeks. That's what we've seen this year, unless, unless your name's, uh, well, no, Kittle had a down week, and so is Travis Kelsey now. So every, they all have up-and-down weeks. Well, I don't, uh, I don't know how much of a down week Kittle had. I mean, I think Not that's this week. that's a decent week uh, for for most tight ends. Yeah, you're talking about his like four for forty four week, right? Yeah. Well, yes, that is what I'm talking about. But you're right. That is a that is still. I bet he was still a top ten guy that week. You're right. I mean, or at least you know he didn't kill you, right? Because for exactly. a lot of tight ends, their down weeks is like zero point three points or zero points. Right. You know. Right. 
Yep. Uh, it sounds like we are both going to take Green Bay here. Yep. Taking the favorites, Green Bay. All right. So, uh, the next game up, uh, the New York Jets at the Kansas City Chiefs, the big Le'Veon Bell revenge game here. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's talk about the Jets' running back situation a little bit because I think LaMichael P. Ryan is a little bit interesting. This Jets' offense remains pretty putrid, really? but P. Ryan is getting a lot of carries. Uh, he and Gore both saw 11 carries against the Bills this week, and he got most of the receiving work. I do think that he's a high-end RB4 who might edge into that flex range if he continues to see more work over Gore. Uh, what are your thoughts on P. Ryan going forward? I think if Jameson Crowder misses significant time, then you have a point. If not, I think P. Ryan falls right back down to where he was. Okay, and what about the other rookie? Are you interested at all uh, in Denzel Mims? He made a, a decent NFL debut this past week. Yep, the exact same thing. Uh, I think the crowd. I think Crowder's the play, but the passing volume should be so high for the Jets, especially this week against Kansas City, that Mims may be worth a shot here if if Crowder misses. Yeah, we saw Braxton Berrios uh, get a little bit involved in the slot, uh, but he really didn't do a whole lot. Um, all right, let's move on then uh, to the other side here. As we said, uh, the Le'Veon Bell revenge game potentially. Uh, but I, I will I will say first that the offensive line is becoming a little bit of an issue for Kansas City. They handled the Broncos pretty easily, but that was with the defense and the special teams uh, both scoring touchdowns early on in this game, making a lot of contributions. The offense really struggled with Mahomes constantly under pressure. Uh, the, the way they've reshuffled this offensive line after that injury, uh, it's a slight concern going forward in terms of pass protection. Of course, uh, they should be fine against the Jets here, but something to keep in mind for Mahomes and maybe Tyree Kill as well, uh, and maybe Travis Kelsey too, if he needs to stay in a block a little bit more. We'll see if that's the case when they get to tougher matchups here. Uh, perhaps consider downgrading them a little bit for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's very difficult already to make a big judgment on Lev Bell and CEH. The offense barely had the ball here. They didn't have to get crazy or get uh, get um, uh, uh, imaginative to win the game here. They had it well wrapped because of the other two phases of the football game. Um, so I'm not making any rash judgments, shipping guys around, throwing Bell into a starting lineup immediately, even though this should be. I mean, this this might be the reason he signed with Kansas City. Not the only reason, but it's a reason he signed with Kansas City. We know he was shopping his services to the uh, three teams that the Jets played next. So I, I think CEH will be just fine here, but but I think you're right. In tougher matchups, we might have a few things to be concerned about with this offense. Um, and then in terms of the split, uh, the workload between CEH and Bell, it was yeah. interesting to see in Bell's first game. He already got a ton of work, of course, uh, Edwards Alaire did score the touchdown, but this could become a messy committee uh, with, you know, kind of like with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in Tampa Bay, kind of capping both of their upsides here. Yep, I agree, but but it's just too early to say. Hopefully, we learn something from this game. But again, I think they're going to blow them out of the water in the first half, and that's going to leave us again with an inability to really project future games. Unfortunately. Are you, or I guess I should say, would you be looking to sell Clyde Edwards-Alaire? 
I would, no, I'm just sitting on him right now. I, I, I've asked myself that question a number of times uh, in a league where I spent my first rounder on him. Um, it's tough, right? I, you fall in love with the name, you fall in love with the potential, you fall in love with the offense. The right answer is probably to try and sell, but when inherently when you try and sell, you're usually not recapping the value that you're supposed to. And like with running backs having the issues they have with guys like, like Zeke Elliott, he's not, he's not a top five guy right now. So who is Hilaire still has that potential, I guess, or Elaire, sorry, has that potential, but it's tough. It's tough to know what's going on with this offense right now. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because I don't, I don't know that you're going to get any legit offers for him. Right. Even if you were to sell it, it's all, everybody just sees the downside right now. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I don't know that you could get uh, great offers anyway. Uh, certainly no one's moving another RB one for him. Right. You're not exactly. You're not going to get a running back that was drafted higher than him. And you're probably not going to get a running back that was drafted in the second to third round. So who else do you, I mean, what are you going to trade him for James Robinson? There's not a chance I would do that. What would you consider trading CH for chase Edmonds? No, not a chance. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else might be someone in the range of realistic. Giovanni Bernard? No. Well, so I guess we'll talk more about Edmonds later when we get to that game. But I was just yeah. looking at the potential of guys who could take on a bigger role as the season progresses, right? Like uh, DeAndre Swift. Yeah. No, not DeAndre Swift. I, I, I actually don't see the path for him because of Matt Patricia. Well, what about James Robinson? No, I, I don't see it. I, they're, they're, uh, their schedule gets tougher, and I think this Jags team is about ready to implode. Okay. Miles um, Gaskin? Whew, I don't want to, but Gaskin is probably right there. Okay. I think it's at least worth considering, though, right? I mean, He's getting the volume. Yeah, we're, that, we're that, the that, one's, that one's near. That one's close. We're at the point where, you know, like you said, uh, not many top running backs, and I don't know that, as you said, Zeke or CH are among the top five backs right now. Not right now. All right, uh, enough on that. We're both taking the Chiefs here, yeah? Yes, sir. All right, the next game up is going to be the L.A. Rams at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Rams are looking okay tonight uh, in the lead currently right now. Just entered the third quarter of this game. The biggest thing, uh, we're going to try and see if anything changes with that running back split tonight. This backfield continues to be a headache week to week, but Henderson seems to be getting the majority of the work so far. Certainly true for this week. Um, not sure what that says about the other running backs. Malcolm Brown, he's he's been like a fantasy afterthought, even though he gets really annoying and plays great for the first game of the season. So I guess next year, you know, pick him up on waivers, start him for week one for three touchdowns, and then trade him off. Um, Cam Akers getting absolutely no runner work here. Nobody doing great against this tough Chicago Bears defense. Uh, Miami's defense is better than advertised, but they should. Henderson... If he plays the second uh, second half here without seeding much work, he's probably running back two versus Miami. Yeah, it's been a pretty even split so far. Um, both of them have gotten one target as receivers, and then so far currently yeah, Henderson, pretty, pretty close. Brown Henderson even looking has better, six huh? carries to Malcolm Brown's five. five. So 
again just capping the upside of both right <laughs> doesn't help yep. for fantasy um, yep. we'll see if anything changes but uh, let's move on to the Miami side here it is finally two a time uh, the Dolphins have played pretty well this year but for fantasy purposes we'll have to see who Tua prefers to target whether he's spreading it around um, we'll see if Miles Gaskins continues to get some of these checkdowns or if Tua is going to take off running a lot to monitor in this first game transitioning to a new quarterback uh, Preston Williams is a name that we've talked about quite a bit that I'm very high on long term so we'll see if he could potentially get more involved uh, with Fitzpatrick having prefer to key in on Devontae Parker at times. Maybe Tua will change that a little bit, but I do think Williams is worth a preemptive waiver ad if you have the bench spot. Now certainly the time, um, especially if you can pick him up with a 0 to $3 uh, bid. Before this buy, though, Isaiah Ford was getting a lot more work than I was really happy about um, in terms of things with Preston Williams, but this is, this is going to be the week to pick him up on the cheap if he's going to be worth picking up at all with uh, Jalen Ramsey probably keeping his eye on uh, Devontae Parker. So you're, you're absolutely right. This is the time where we see what, uh, what Tua can do and does. And maybe I'm too optimistic about Tua here in his first game, but I think the Dolphins' defense has been playing fairly well too. We've seen the Rams kind of be hot and cold kind of uh, that Jekyll and Hyde approach where one week they look like world beaters and the next week they can you know barely beat terrible teams so I'm actually call me crazy but I'm going to take Miami at home I don't think that's crazy I'm not going to call you crazy but uh, but I, I think this is an era this is a welcome to the NFL uh, doorstep Aaron Donald uh, yeah. onto, uh, uh, to a t- t- tongue of Aloha sort of game right here. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch the rookie, see what he can make him into himself. But between Donald, the rest of that defense, Jalen Ramsey, I, I think that's going to be uh, the-, the best phase of football for this week. Yeah, I mean, I think Aaron Donald was at the forefront of my mind when I was trying to pick this this game. Yep. But uh, like I said, I'll-, I'll roll with the rookie and see what happens. I mean, the rookies have certainly done well so far this year. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Justin. That Herbert hasn't really converted into many wins, but they have played well. That's true. That's something to keep in mind. But uh, from a fantasy perspective, I think Tua should definitely be on rosters. Uh, we don't have him as a streaming option this week, but definitely, if you're hurting at quarterback and you want a potential long-term rest-of-season replacement, Tua could be that guy. Yep, have him on the radar. All right, the next game up here, uh, the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. So, of course, after we talked about Juju's struggles last week, he gets 14 targets to just one for Chase Claypool. Um, I mean, I, I think Deontay Johnson's clearly the most trustworthy here. Uh, whenever he's healthy, he seems to be getting the bulk of the targets. Uh, he'll be a wide receiver too, despite a tough matchup. And I think Juju and Claypool both are just boomer bust flex plays right now. Yeah, you, you've got it right. Uh, the Steelers-Ravens games are always very fun, often very, very close. Um, that is the main question is to answer what we do with Chase Claypool. Uh, if Johnson is here, I, I'd hold Claypool out of my lineup probably. But if Johnson can't go, I think Pittsburgh's going to have to find some ways to get real creative and use the rookie if they want to go for the win in Baltimore. So um, if Johnson's out, Claypool's a flex. If not, he, he may, I mean, he, again, may explode for two touchdowns, but I'm not banking on it. 
Yeah, I will say the early reports are pretty optimistic that Johnson's uh, ankle or foot injury, ankle injury, was just mm -hmm. a bruise, not nothing right. serious. So, um, just but those FYI. can hurt. So, who knows? Yep. Um, on the Baltimore side here, we're gonna see how this team looks coming out of the bye week because the Ravens kind of limped their way to a five and one record. Uh, this is gonna be a pivotal showdown against the Steelers here. Of course, their trade for Yannick Ngakwe uh, is going to be... Man, that pass rush is even more lethal now. Mm -hmm. um, but fantasy-wise, uh, Mark Ingram dealing with a mild high ankle sprain, supposedly. I don't know what that means exactly. I, I feel like most high ankle sprains are pretty rough, but uh, I think probably on the shorter side, still going to be a two- to three-week absence. So very questionable for this week. We saw Leonard Fournette with a minor quote-unquote high ankle sprain and he was out three weeks so if ingram does miss this game uh do you prefer edwards or dobbins if you had to flex one of them i think it's dobbins if, if i if it really came down to it it's dobbins edwards seems to get a lot more of the mop-up work but dobbins is definitely higher uh he's higher volatility you got to swing for the fences if you're if you're going for a uh, ravens running back yeah, and definitely more involved as a pass catcher as well, which obviously raises his floor and ceiling in PPR scoring. Yeah, overall, I, I think the Ravens, this is going to be a tough defensive matchup for both teams here. They spread their offense through so many players, despite the potential high-octane nature of it. It's so hard to guess where the value, where the points are actually going to come from. It's probably going to end up being like a two-touchdown Mark Andrews game, two catches for you know 20 yards, and then everybody else just sort of spreads things amongst themselves 40 yards apiece. Yeah, or it's going to be, you know, a touchdown to Willie Sneed, a touchdown to Nick Boyle, yeah. and, you know, one yeah. of those weird games. That's also possible as well. Yep. But uh, it seems to be a, uh, a trend almost of, you know, will these rookies get more work coming out of the bye? We talked about Jonathan Taylor. We saw that happen for DeAndre Swift, and who knows, maybe it'll be J.K. Dobbins' this time as well. It certainly could be. You know, I, I kept going back and forth on this, and I had – pittsburgh written down here but with the ngakwe trade i think that's going to be a lift for them i'm going to switch it to baltimore yeah i'm taking baltimore at home here um, the home teams always seem to have that upside road ben may rear his ugly head here even though he has looked really really good this year um it, it's a really close one you're absolutely right but i'm taking the ravens yeah i think i would have taken uh the I think I would have kept with the Steelers uh, had we not seen the second half of that Titans game because, mm -hmm. I mean, the Steelers were just on fire through the first half, right. but then three interceptions for Roethlisberger um, almost lost that game because of those turnovers. So I am going to take the Baltimore Ravens here. All right. All right. Uh, moving on to the Sunday mid-afternoon games. Uh, the L.A. Chargers at the Denver Broncos is up first. Justin Herbert uh, looks legit. We talked about Tua um, potentially following in his footsteps, but Herbert's just been so fun to watch. I mean, the only problem I have with him is he loves to throw touchdowns to random players that absolutely nobody is starting <laughs> in fantasy uh, outside of DFS probably, but you know, it's certainly great for anybody who started Virgil Green, Donald Parham, and Jalen Guyton in DFS. Uh, That's the scout team hookup right there. You know, you have yeah. Terod Taylor out there with the with the ones getting the reps early in the preseason. Well, not there that there was much preseason early in the season. Herbert knows uh, knows what his uh, second teamers can do. 
Yeah, and then also worth noting, uh, Hunter Henry briefly left uh, the game against Jacksonville with, I think, was an ankle injury, but he did finish the game, but definitely something to keep an eye on. That's one of the reasons those tight ends got involved. Were the, uh, were, is every back in uh, LA injured right now? Because none of them did anything worthy of a, of a start. I mean, I don't know about that. I started Joshua Kelly and I was fairly pleased. He got, I think. You were happy with 10 points? I mean, it's better than some of the running back options I have right now in, in some leagues. You're right. You're right. I'd try to avoid it this week. Would, would you? Yeah, I, I don't love it against Denver. Um, but again, you know, we're going to talk about both Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly on our waiver wire section. These guys are barely 50% rostered, and given the state of running oh, backs out low. there, okay. that's, that's pretty shocking to me. Yeah, agreed. Right. Coronavirus has got everybody, you know, it, it's a tough season. Hard to pay attention to this stuff right now. <laughs> yeah, that's. I guess that's a fair point here. Um, on the Denver side here, uh, the tight ends surprisingly led their teams in target share. Seven targets each for Noah Fant and Albert Okwug. Okwugbunam, I think. Um, that's a tough one. It's hard. It's, oh, he just goes by Elmer. Yeah, Come on, I, man. You know, I made Get an attempt. It. I made an attempt. I, I figured <laughs> I, I might as well. But uh, I, I think that's probably one of the few names that I don't have memorized that I would have trouble spelling by heart right now. Um, but it's hard to trust these outside receivers again against these Chargers cornerbacks. Could be another tight end heavy game here. Uh, you know, Pat, Tim Patrick still seems to be the preferred target, but uh, the two hyped rookies uh, coming out of the preseason or the offseason, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, neither have really flashed so far. Not yet. Is uh, Do you think that Judy needs to be held on in redraft right now? Mm. Hey, roster spots are very, very valuable right now with the way the season's shaking out. No. I, I you, now that's not saying that you're not going to regret letting him go in you know in five <laughs> weeks right. when he's lighting the world on fire. But honestly, I don't see anything in Denver lighting the world on fire right now. So so you probably get away with it just fine. Alrighty, um, I it's hard to tough. Uh, or excuse me, it's hard to tough. It's tough to bet against Justin Herbert right now. It certainly is. Um, I'm going to take uh, the Chargers as well here. Denver's not getting it done. All right. So the next game up here, the New Orleans Saints at the Chicago Bears with Emmanuel Sanders on COVID IR and Thomas out with that hamstring injury. Marcus Callaway uh, was the big beneficiary, leading the team with 10 targets in the game against Carolina. Sanders should be back, though, as long as he passes the tests. And Thomas is still a question mark. Uh, of course, the sure thing here is Kamara, but... Are you playing uh, Sanders or Traquan Smith against Chicago? I would only start Sanders uh, against Chicago. Traquan Smith has showed his ups and downs. Um, he, he is not reliable enough to, to bank on from a week-to-week -week standpoint. Sanders surprisingly has been. He's been uh, really good, actually, with Drew Brees, I would say. I mean, really good relative to what I was actually expecting of this season. I, I think Michael Thomas is probably going to be back here, which should just serve to take a little more pressure off of Emmanuel Sanders even. Hopefully, we'll see. Um, he is questionable with that hamstring injury. Reports are kind of conflicting, saying that it's not super serious, but it's also not nothing. So, I don't know. We'll see. They've been pretty conservative with him, uh, holding him out for multiple weeks with that high ankle sprain early on. So, we'll see what they choose to do here. 
Um, how comfortable are you with starting Drew Brees? Not. Not at all right now this week. Not for Chicago. They're, they're, they're good. They're good at home. I mean, for as much guff I give my hometown team, they're good on defense this year. And, and they'll get after Drew Brees. Khalil Mack's itching for it. Yeah, and, um, you know, certainly we're, we're recording this Monday night, so six more days until this right. game. A lot could change until then. But, uh, you know, living in Chicago, uh, I will say today we got a little bit of snow. It's in the, in the <laughs> low 30s. And we know that Drew Brees does struggle uh, when he's outside that dome. And it's supposed to be, I think, a little bit warmer and pretty clear uh, this weekend. But still, not not the greatest for Drew Brees outdoors when it gets when it drops below 40, 50 degrees. I do think that this is a decent enough Jared Cook week, though. Do you disagree? Um, I think if Thomas is out again, I, I like Cook as a back-end tight end one. He did score right. against Carolina. Mm-hmm. On the Bears' side here, uh, they're struggling to put up points against the Rams right now. I, I think Surprise. it's ten to three still, but yeah, you know the the reliable options are Montgomery, Robinson, and Graham, right? I mean, you can call yeah. In as much as you want to call Montgomery and Graham reliable, I mean they'll Graham will have targets and Montgomery will have touches, but how much are they going to actually do with them? Sure, that's and Montgomery fair. against New Orleans—that's. I, I can rely on the fact that he's going to touch the ball 10 times. I can't rely on the fact that he's going to have more than 30 yards. Yeah, I will say uh, it's a little bit concerning for Montgomery that Cordero Patterson has four targets tonight. Uh, you know, we got used to seeing David Montgomery getting a lot of targets out of the backfield, which was giving him a high floor in PPR leagues. But if that changes, then all of a sudden he becomes a, a more of a risky flex than an RB2. Yep, yep. Um, I will say, though, I, I do like Jimmy Graham. Uh, New Orleans gives up the most fantasy points to opposing tight ends, and they've already allowed six touchdowns to tight ends this year. Could be seven. Uh, it's, I mean, it could be a down Drew Brees game here, but it, it, i got to still take the Saints. The Bears are having a tough enough time with Jared Goff. Give me the Saints. All right. Moving on to San Francisco at Seattle. This one should be fun. Uh, of course, Brandon Ayuk gets a bump with Debo Samuel likely out for two or three weeks with that hamstring injury. Uh, but do you think Kendrick Bourne is going to be interesting here as well? The Seahawks do give up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. The potential is there. Uh, there's certainly enough points to go around. There will be enough points to go around here, but I, I, not enough for me to go you know, dive in and on throwing Kendrick Bourne. I, if anything... Maybe Kittle. I mean, you're going to start regardless, but but I, I just can't lean on Kendrick Bourne. Sure, not lean on, but I think he's a boomer bust flex this week. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then how do you see this backfield situation shaking out? <laughs> because it's been real messy. Uh, we've got a lot of rotating heads here uh, so far in the season. Of course, Raheem Mostert got hurt with that high ankle sprain, and then... Jeff Wilson Jr. went off for three touchdowns against the Patriots, but then he hurt his ankle, uh, and now it sounds like he could go on IR or will at least miss a few weeks here. Um, and Jamichael Hasty got a lot of work after Jeff Wilson left the game. Uh, unless they activate Tevin Coleman, it's going to be some combination of Hasty and McKinnon here, right? 
Yeah, you've got it exactly right. Uh, we have to see what they do about Tevin Coleman. Very difficult to say otherwise. I am going to go out of my way to take a little victory lap on Jeff Wilson, though. You doubted me there, bud. I sure did. I wasn't sure if he would be ready after that calf injury, but he looked phenomenal. Uh, and uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yep, keep him fresh. Maybe that's the exact game plan they have with Coleman. Just uh, hope that he's uh, keep him keep him inactive until he's ready, and then have him go score three touchdowns. I, I have a sneaky suspicion he's not ready here, and I think it's going to be. Um, I think it's going to be hasty. I think it is this week. Okay, so you would start him over McKinnon. Right now, yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, and also. Uh, it's not good. Not looking good for Eddie Jackson with a non-contact injury there. So hopefully, mm. hopefully it's nothing serious. But uh, it's never good when you're not touched and you go down. We will not see. usually a good sign. On the Seattle Seahawks side here, uh, weird, strange loss to the Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what what exactly their game plan was for either team uh, going into that fourth quarter, but both of them made quite a few mistakes but one mistake that was not made was putting Patrick Peterson on DK Metcalf because that worked yeah. out wonderfully um, of course that led to a monster game from Tyler Lockett the San Francisco secondary has struggled with injuries but Jason Verrett coming back healthy has been huge for them it's possible that he could shadow Metcalf uh, as Patrick Peterson did on the outside so this could be another big Tyler Lockett week I don't know that I'd necessarily recommend benching Metcalf, but I would temper expectations if Barrett does stick to him. Um, what are your thoughts here? Are, do you agree with Lockett over Metcalf this week? I agree with Lockett over Metcalf. I do not bench Metcalf here. Uh, the best wide receivers overcome. They figure out ways. Metcalf's going to come out there with something to prove, especially with uh, having that, that game-winning touchdown snatched back out of his hands, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately for him, I guess fortunately for Cardinals fans and you know a bunch of other people. Um, but, but I think Metcalf does just fine here. Uh, J Jason Verrett, Patrick Peterson, he is not. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um... You know, I was about to mention that touchdown called back by penalty, so certainly Metcalf's night would have looked way better had that actually held up. Sure. Um, and then in the backfield here, Chris Carson out for a couple weeks with that foot sprain. Uh, Carlos Hyde should step in, but the Niners are a tough matchup on the ground. I, I think he's viable as a flex play, but probably just, you know, a touchdown-dependent flex, right? Do you see a ton of upside here? I think he can be a floor running back, too. He'll get some passing down work. Uh, he'll he'll get some receptions. Okay, um, I'm gonna take. Seattle. Oh yeah, I, I I don't think anything huge w with huge upside. I agree there. Okay, sounds good. And I am going to take Seattle, although this is another tight one. The uh, these NFC West games always seem to be uh, give me Seattle at home. All right, we are in agreement there. Uh, good to see Eddie Jackson walking off the field though. So hopefully. Just a cramp yep. or something. Yep. Um, Sunday night football. The Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Jeez. The NFC East in primetime. This should be quite a show. Um, <laughs> although, I don't, you know, this might be it one of those. It certainly will be. We might see another tie. Well, at least one of those shows where, uh, you know, you can't look away for one reason or another. Yeah. The, uh, the Cowboys are an absolute mess right now, and that might be putting it nicely. Uh, they're down three of their five starters on the offensive line. 
which would make life hard even for Patrick Mahomes, and that'll make life crazy hard for Ben DiNucci, uh, yeah. who might be the starter if Andy Dalton doesn't make it through concussion protocol this week. Um, what are you doing with you know the Cowboys in fantasy if you have them on your roster? Are you are you selling Zeke and Cooper? I mean, both of these guys still saw a lot of touches, but the efficiency just was not there. And then Gallup and Lamb uh, combined for seven targets, but zero catches. Are they, you know, are you still holding on to them with a lot of bye weeks coming up? I, I would like not to hold on to them, but I don't see anybody paying for them. I don't see anybody going out of their way to trade for uh, Dallas Cowboys right now. Maybe something could be different. Maybe I could, I could say, let's hold. Let's see what coaching adjustments happen and how much they can use the players that they have. Unfortunately, their coaching staff is headed by Mike McCarthy, who we know is not going to do anything about it. Uh, things are spelling. Uh, things are looking disastrous for Dallas, and they were pretty disastrous even when Dak was there. Uh, I don't care if it's Dalton or Dick you got to move on somehow uh, you really do uh, Gallup is not worth rostering nobody will pay a cent for him maybe you can capitalize on moving lamb for you know to, to a to a guy who's really big into dynasty and college football um but past that i it's selling these guys 50 cents on the dollar zeke is not going to be a top five running back even though he's drafted as your number two or number three uh it's unfortunate but this is a really this is dallas let me just run through uh i don't want to give away our our whole waiver wire list here but you know sure. would you drop cd lamb uh, for t higgins yes yep absolutely agree uh, what about Brandon Ayuk for the next two to three weeks if you need wins? Ayuk's huge this week, absolutely. Okay. Um, are you going to take a shot on Antonio Brown or CeeDee Lamb? Oh, gosh. I really was hoping to get through this podcast without talking about Antonio Brown. <laughs> uh, no. I, I Until I see Antonio Brown be a thing and remain on an NFL roster for longer than five days... He is, he is nothing to me. Okay. Um, what about the guy that you pretty much uh, were very happy with uh, earlier in the show, Cole Beasley? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'd go with Cole Beasley. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about Christian Kirk? CeeDee Lamb or Christian Kirk? It's got to be Kirk. All right. Um, so certainly not must-holds, right? I think we're in agreement on that. Yeah. Especially, no, not, you know, not right now. Especially if you're, you know, 2-4, and 2-5, and five, you need wins now. Uh, got to do what you got to do. You got you to gotta manufacture wins at this point. All right. Uh, what about, uh, this will be a good transition, Travis Fulgham, if you need wins now. Yeah, it's, it's Fulgham over Lamb for sure. It might even be Fulgham over Cooper. Ooh. I don't know about rest of season, but I certainly no, no, not rest of season. But certainly this week, I agree. I think Fulgham should see a ton of targets again. I think he has weak winning upside against this Cowboys secondary. You yeah, know, slot him in does. DFS. Find a way to get him in your DFS lineup. Um, that said, uh, I would be selling Fulgham if you don't need him, uh, if at all possible. You know, Goddard, Ertz, Rager, maybe even Alshon Jeffrey, who we haven't heard from in a year and a half. Uh, could be coming back after Philadelphia's bye next week. So Not Deshaun Jackson, though. No, no. He's basically done for the rest of the regular season, for fantasy at least. Yeah. 
Rich, uh, Richard Rodgers may have just established himself as a, a spot in this offense too. Yeah, I think he and Boston Scott are both great plays this week. I mean, you're starting everybody against Dallas, right? If yeah. Sanders and Goddard right. are out again. Um, right I now, th- I certainly am. Rodgers, you know, the production he had just this past week makes me even more seriously concerned about Zach Ertz. Like, it was sort of, I don't want to say tongue-in-cheek, but I was sort of like, you know, I, I think Zach Ertz might have some major problems. Now I'm very serious about Zach Ertz having some major problems. Roger shouldn't be able to come in and produce like that when Ertz has done nothing all season. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but I, I, I still think Ertz is going to take back that job once he comes back. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he's not going to take his job back, but I think he's going to be completely ineffective. Yeah, I, I mean, he did not look great before that injury, so we'll see. Uh, maybe if, any, if anything, Goddard will be the tight end one on this team uh, by season's end. I don't think you're wrong there. I, yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, he's, I, know, I know he's on the waiver wire in one of my leagues. He's I on should the waiver wire in more than half of leagues. Yeah. So he's a priority ad. We'll get to him in just a few minutes when we talk about all the waiver guys. Um, of course, Carson Wentz, love him this week as well. Uh, anything else to add? I don't think so. I think uh, I think we got everything. All right. Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, as uh, sad as that is, they're they're gonna they're gonna trounce Dallas this week. I mean, not that it's sad. I don't I don't cry for Dallas or anything, but just the sad state of that whole division. Yeah, I think I'll be almost as sad for Daniel Jones in uh, the Monday night football game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> at the New York Giants. <laughs> Um, are you nervous, Los? Because I'm gaining a little bit of gro- uh, ground on our Gronk bet here. Touchdowns for him now in back-to-back games. I have to say, like like I said earlier in the season, I wish that that I thought through better what the bet would be. Um, I still completely agree that he was not worth drafting. He was not even worth owning, but now he is. Uh, I think he's a tight end one right now. I don't expect eight weekly targets for Gronkowski, but but for the time being, especially that the way uh, tight end landscape's looking, he is a tight end one. He's found his connection with Brady. Brady has figured out how to throw to a much, much slower, uh, much less physical Gronkowski. And with pinpoint passing, he's making it work. So do you think he's a hold or a buy even with Antonio Brown coming to town? I don't think Antonio Brown's going to become much of anything, honestly. Uh, and what's he going to do, line up in the slot? That's that's just not going to happen. He's going to take Justin Watson's spot, if that, um, and, uh, you know, Scotty Miller's spot, if that. But we've got to see if he can even, you know, exist in, a, in an NFL locker room first. That's very fair. But, uh, okay, so you're not worried about Gronk. How do you feel about Evans and Godwin? It doesn't sound like you've changed your outlook on them very much. No, I'm not changing my outlook. Uh, I think we're going to keep seeing ups and downs with um, all the outside and Gronkowski pass catchers. I think Godwin's going to remain steady in that Edelman-esque outside but also inside role. Evans is going to be fine. He's going to have up weeks. He's going to have down weeks just like this one. Brady's just going to throw the ball where he should be throwing it, uh, where the defense is allowing it. Uh, That's that's the kind of quarterback he is. Evans is going to suffer a little bit, but he's also going to have big weeks. So I will say that I'm buying Evans and Godwin uh, with this Antonio Brown news um, because I think one of two things is going to happen. I think either, as you said, Antonio Brown isn't going to do much uh, in terms of even sticking 
uh, with an NFL team due to off-field issues or conditioning or whatever you want to call it. Um, or if he is even, you know, 70% of that prime Antonio Brown, I think this offense could just be humming, humming right along and with touchdowns for everybody. Um, and so I think either scenario, I, I still want Evans and Godwin on my fantasy rosters. Yep, both are good options. If if people are selling either of them, yeah, I'd be buying. All right, uh, we've talked a lot about the Bucks, but one last thing. We've got to talk about the backfield. Uh, Ronald sure. Jones dropped a pass. Um, Leonard Fournette got a ton of work after that. Uh, even on the ground, uh, Fournette was more efficient than Jones. How do you see this backfield shaking out? I think it's going to be uh, scary. Uh, I'm trepidatious at best about uh, locking Jones in or locking Fournette in. Uh, we see what Arians does to running backs. Uh, he, I think he thinks they're a dime a dozen. He'll uh, he'll get as many as he can. He'll use them until they uh, show him that they, they lost his trust for a play. And then he'll throw someone else in just like he did last year, just like he's done in the past. It's really, really hard to uh, go in on Jones with any, any um, shred of uh, – you know, confidence because Fournette, I, I'm not sitting here saying Fournette's worse than Ronald Jones. Fournette's every bit as of a good running back as Ronald Jones is. I don't think Ronald Jones is an amazing running back. All right. This week only, if you had to flex one of them, if you have both on your roster, who's going to be? If I'm picking one, it's Jones. Ooh. Uh, you want to make a bet on that? I'll take Fournette. No, because I wish I hope it's for that. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough here. All right, enough about for, the Bucks. For selfish reasons that you're aware of. I hear you. I hear you. Plus, <laughs> uh, I I think this might be the first game we get to see the Bucks in their red jerseys. So Ooh. I don't know. I'm I'm not a superstitious person, but I just feel like they're gonna be red hot. And uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there they'll, you go. they'll just be blazing down the field. All right. Um, yeah, let's move on then to the Giants. Not a whole lot to say. I, I just kind of feel bad. We're going to see a lot of sad Eli face Daniel Jones on the sidelines, I think. Um, Evan Ingram led the team in targets last week against Philadelphia with nine. And Sterling Shepard was close behind with eight. But this is a tough defense to crack. That said, uh, you know, we saw Daniel Jones do okay against this defense in his debut uh, last year as a rookie, and we finally did see his rushing upside, right, against the Eagles, saved his fantasy day with that huge run, even though he tripped up before he got to the end zone. Um, I would rank Ingram as a high-end tight end two here, Sterling Shepard as a flex, and Darius Slayton as a boomer bust wide receiver four. Thoughts on that? Um, yeah, wide receiver four sounds about right. That young cornerback is going to lock into him. Sure, Daniel Jones uh, did well in his debut, but um, they've got the book on Daniel Jones now. Uh, Daniel Jones does not have Saquon or uh, any running back that's going to be able to pierce this Tampa Bay defense, which is much improved from that time as well, the running defense at the very least. Uh, I think you're right. Um, Evan Ingram is the, uh, is the only play, and just as a high-end tight end two right now. All righty. Uh, give me the bucks. Buccaneers to win on the road. All right. Uh, we've got four teams on bye this week. First up, the Arizona Cardinals going into their bye victorious. Kyler Murray, of course, you'll be missing in your starting lineups. Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Dan Arnold as well. 
Yeah, even though they're on the buy, um, if people drop them, um, Chase Edmonds should be owned right now. Drake's going to be missing some time. Edmonds already had most of the passing, not necessarily all the passing down work, but most of the passing game work, targets, I, I mean to call them. Um, and he's going to look pretty good in a few of the next coming weeks, I think. Yeah, I, there's a non-zero chance that he just ends up looking so good that he never gives it back to Drake, even when he does come back. Yep. Or at least yep. force a bigger split, right? Right. You want to take uh, the next one here? Oh, sure. I can do that. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, Gardner Minjew, DJ Chark, um, Keelan Cole. Uh, and then the running back, uh, James Robinson, is going to be uh, taking a week off right now, and I don't think it could come at a better time for them. They, uh, they're they not looking so hot. I think Gardner Minshew just needs a little vacation, and maybe they can regroup, uh, come back a little stronger, brighter days, could maybe be ahead. Yeah, and um, he is not on our quarterback waiver ends, um, but it is interesting that they said that Gardner Minshew could be benched if he continues to struggle. Right. Uh, so not in one quarterback leagues, but in two quarterback or super flex leagues, uh, definitely something to monitor. Um, I don't think it would be Mike Glennon. I mean, they kind of know, they kind of know at this point who Mike Glennon is, right? But I think it would be potentially uh, Jake Luton, uh, the, their sixth round rookie pick, who. I don't know that he's going to be anything, but uh, in Superflex and two QB leagues, uh, he might be worth that preemptive ad. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, put, put him on your waiver list. That's that's about it. And uh, for Washington here, Kyle Allen, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and then Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas will be out as well this week. Yeah, I don't have a ton to add on them. Gibson looked very, very good. Um, if someone's selling, I'm buying. That's for sure. And that leaves us with Houston. Of course, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, uh, the running backs, David and Duke Johnson, and the wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Will Fuller. Don't know why I named him in that order. Um, you're going to need to find other options this week. They've looked uh, certainly looked better since uh, losing Bill O'Brien. All right, so that brings us to our waiver wire, or excuse me, not yet, uh, our injuries real quick. Um, starting off at quarterback, Los, you want to kick it off? Absolutely. Andy Dalton with a concussion questionable after that uh, after that hit. Even though it looked bad, it's very hard to judge on the tape alone, the hit alone. Players advance through the concussion co protocol at their very own pace. So monitor his practice status this week, but uh, whether he's there or not, I don't know if that really changes the outlook on the rest of the uh, Dallas offense. Yeah, I mean, I think most people are forced to start Elliott and Cooper. They drafted them right. that early without uh, much better options. And who knows, maybe Ben DiNucci will be the savior that they need. Fresh face. All right, at running backs here, we've got Aaron Jones with the calf injury, but he is probable. It sounds like he could have played and was pushing to do so, but the Green Bay training staff decided to hold him out to avoid a potential aggravation. He should be good to return this week. Kenyon Drake with that high ankle sprain, questionable. Sounds like Drake could go on to IR, which would mean a minimum three-week absence here. Uh, they are going into their bye, so we'll see if that happens. We should be getting more news on him in the next day or so. Keep your eyes peeled. Chris Carson with that midfoot sprain will be out for at least this week. The early report that is that he will be out for uh, multiple weeks, so at least one or two, if not more. 
monitor his practice status in the coming weeks. Miles Sanders with the knee injury, he is questionable. Uh, he was ruled out early for their week seven game uh, against uh, the Giants, but the silver lining is that it was a Thursday night game. So with 10 days to heal, it's possible that Sanders could return this week, monitor his practices. Joe Mixon with the foot injury, he's questionable. Uh, Mixon did not practice at all last week, and the reports are calling this a week-to-week -week issue, so monitor his practice status. We'll need to see at least a limited practice or two late in the week to think that he would be back. Raheem Mostert with the high ankle sprain, also on IR. He's eligible to return in Week 10 against the Saints, but with the Niners on a bye in Week 11, they could choose to hold him out with, for that extra week uh, and give him two extra weeks of rest with the bye and have him return in week 12 against the Rams. Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, ankle injury, uh, likely out in multiple weeks. He returned from that calf injury to play against New England, had the three touchdowns, but then suffered that ankle injury late. We're waiting to hear more specific updates on Wilson, but the early reports are that uh, it's possible that he could go on IR as well. Tevin Coleman with the knee injury, he's been on IR, a <laughs> questionable, uh, is eligible to return, but we'll see if he's ready to come back just yet. Uh, with Mostert and Wilson both hurt, they could choose to activate him, depending on how comfortable they feel with just McKinnon and Hesty active right now. Mark Ingram with a high ankle sprain, a lot of these going around. He is doubtful, uh, his high ankle sprain is considered relatively minor, and it's good to see that the Ravens chose not to place him on IR. This seems akin to Fournette's more quote-unquote minor high ankle sprain from a few weeks ago, but even then, uh, Fournette missed three games, so consider Ingram less than likely to play this week. Dalvin Cook with the groin strain, finally a bit of good news. He is probable. It sounds like this was a relatively minor injury, but the Vikings wanted to play it safe. So after paying Cook all that money, uh, the early reports are consistent that he should be back. Nick Chubb with the MCL sprain on IR. He is eligible to return, but with Cleveland having their bye in week 10, they could choose to give him that extra two weeks to heal up and have him return in week 10 against Houston. Austin Eckler with a hamstring injury on IR. He is also technically eligible to return this week against Jacksonville, but the reports are that Eckler is expected to return, quote, later rather than sooner. Christian McCaffrey with that high ankle sprain on IR, he is questionable. Uh, he is eligible to return, but it sounds like the Panthers are hesitant to rush him back, especially when they play on a short week on Thursday night. So it's likely that they're going to give him uh, this week off in uh, a full 10 days to come back at 100% in week 9. Certainly an understandable decision to make. As for the wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL and is now out for the season. Beckham hurt himself trying to tackle the defender after Baker Mayfield's interception. He is done with uh, done for the year now. He can be dropped in all redraft formats. Deontay Johnson with his ankle injury. He seemed in good spirits after the game, called the injury a bruise, so this doesn't sound serious. Monitor his practice status just in case, but it sounds like he's fine for this week listed as probable right now. Debo Samuel, doubtful with a hamstring. These soft tissue injuries popped up a lot this year. Samuel's likely to miss two to three weeks so as to not aggravate his injury by returning too soon. 
Jameson Crowder questionable with a groin injury. Crowder suffered the injury during practice last week. We're waiting to hear more updates on him after he missed the game versus Buffalo. Deshaun Jackson with the leg fracture. He's out for six to eight weeks. Uh, Jackson had just returned from his hamstring. Now he's likely not to return until the fantasy playoffs at the earliest, so he can be safely dropped in all redraft formats. Michael Thomas is questionable with his hamstring. Thomas injured his hamstring during practice upon returning from his high ankle sprain. New Orleans has been conservative in sitting him until he's 100%, so keep an eye on his status closely this week. Sammy Watkins and his hamstring are questionable. He injured his hamstring versus the Raiders back in week five. Keep an eye on his practice participation. Devontae Parker with a groin injury. Miami was on a bye, so we did not get any updates. We'll see about his practice statuses this week to come. Jalen Rager with the, third, uh, with the thumb surgery. He's on our IR questionable. He's eligible to return this week from the IR, but with Philly on a week and uh, bye week in week nine, it's likely that he's going to be held out until week 10 against the Giants. And Alan Lazard having groin surgery ending up on the IR. He could return this week depending on how he feels, but Green Bay's training staff has been very conservative with their players like Devontae Adams earlier in the season, Aaron Jones this past week. So we're going to see whether he returns here. Yep, and at tight end, we've got the two Philadelphia uh, tight ends. Dallas Goddard with the fractured fibula on IR. He's questionable. Uh, he is eligible to return, so we'll see. Uh, there's a chance that he's ready to go, but it's likely that with the Eagles on bye next week, uh, we're going to see Goddard held out until week 10 against the Giants. And then Zach Ertz with that high ankle sprain also on IR. The earliest he is eligible to return is in week 11 against Cleveland. But based on the timeline of his injury, he should be ready to go right around then. And with injuries come replacements, where better to start than at quarterback? A few guys we talked about earlier in the in the in the podcast. Justin Herbert, sixty nine percent rostered in ESPN, seventy six percent in Yahoo. The, this rookie has been on fire, as we mentioned last week. Herbert torched Jacksonville and has a solid rest of season schedule. Yeah, for any teams in need of quarterback help, Denver's a tough opponent, but Herbert has proven to have a high floor and ceiling due to his rushing production. He's mostly rostered, but should be at a hundred percent. Teddy Bridgewater, 31 in ESPN, 44% in Yahoo. Bridgewater has been excellent outside of two tough matchups versus Tampa and Chicago. He gets an Atlanta defense this week that allows the very most points to opposing quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, 50% ESPN, 64 in Yahoo. Burrow has been up and down this year, but ten, Tennessee's defense is top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. This should be another solid week for Joe Burrow. And Derek Carr, 29% in ESPN, 26% rostered in Yahoo. He's a great play after Baker Mayfield just torched the Cincinnati defense with about 300 yards and five touchdowns. Outside of the Tampa game, Carr has been excellent this year with the Raiders offensive line playing much, much better. And at running backs, uh, kicking it off, uh, the top priority this week is, of course, Chase Edmonds, even with the Arizona Cardinals on a bye, 55% rostered in ESPN, just 63% in Yahoo. With Kenyon Drake likely to go on IR and miss at least three weeks, Edmonds has a chance to seize control of his backfield. Could remain a committee in Arizona once Drake returns, but the possibility of him taking over gives him league-winning upside. Don't be afraid to spend the rest of your fab budget on Edmonds this week. Joshua Kelly, 54% in ESPN, 43% Yahoo. And Justin Jackson, 68% in ESPN, 63% in Yahoo. 
With Austin Eckler still out for a couple weeks or more, Kelly saw 12 carries versus 5 for Jackson against the Jaguars, and Jackson barely led as a receiver with 6 targets to Kelly's 5. Both are flex plays, but given the dire state of running backs right now, uh, that's enough to be fantasy relevant. Kelly remains a slightly better play, but both should be rostered, with Eckler not expected to return for quite some time. The San Francisco running backs, Jamichael Hasty, 4% rostered in ESPN, 21% in Yahoo. Jarek McKinnon is 82% rostered in both formats. And Tevin Coleman, 20% rostered in ESPN, 27% in Yahoo. With Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. both out for a few weeks, McKinnon and Hasty figured to step in as the top two backs in this efficient Shanahan run game. Of course, Coleman is close to returning from his injury as well and could be thrown back into the mix here. Hasty seems to have the quote-unquote hot hand and should be prioritized, but all three could have fantasy relevance for teams in dire need of help at running back in the short term. LaMichael P. Ryan, 11% in ESPN, 16% in Yahoo. Don't look now, but even with the Jets' offense a mess, P. Ryan tied Gore with 11 carries each, and he managed to score a touchdown and saw three targets as a receiver. He's a touchdown-dependent RB4 or low-end flex. Boston Scott, 50% rostered in ESPN, 69% in Yahoo. Uh, P. Ryan listed uh, above is... Uh, or P. Ryan should be prioritized above uh, these next three running backs for rest of season production, but for teams in need of short-term help at the running back position, Scott leads this group of handcuffs. With Sanders out against the Giants, Scott dominated the carries with 12 compared to four combined for Clement and Huntley, and Scott saw five targets as a receiver versus just two combined for Clement and Huntley. If Sanders misses another game here, Scott will be again a serviceable back-end RB2 in PPR. And likewise, Giovanni Bernard, 53% roster in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. With Mixon out versus Cleveland, Bernard was a workhorse, or excuse me, with uh, Mixon out versus Cleveland, Bernard was a workhorse dominating the carries with 13, two Samaje Piran's one, and getting five targets as a receiver. If Mixon were to miss another game here, Bernard will again be a back-end RB2 uh, and a decent play against a Titans defense that Jay just gave up 111 total yards from scrimmage to James Conner. And finally, Carlos Hyde, 5% rostered in ESPN, 11% in Yahoo. With Chris Carson out the second half of that Sunday night football game against Arizona with a foot injury, Hyde stepped up and finished the game with 68 yards and a touchdown. With Carson out for at least a week, Hyde will be a serviceable flex, though San Francisco is a tough matchup. A lot of messiness at running back, but hopefully you can sift through some of the uh, some of the injuries and find some of these guys. As for wide receiver, a little bit more the same. T. Higgins, 66% rostered in ESPN, 70 in Yahoo. Higgins has been our top waiver priority at the wide receiver position for two weeks now, and while now he's rostered in more than 50% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues, the number is still too low. Burrow has been throwing the ball a ton due to Cincinnati's defense, putting them in shootout situations, and Higgins has immense upside if Cincinnati is able to find a suitor and trade A.J. Green before the deadline.
Brandon Ayuk, 20% rostered in ESPN, 49 in Yahoo. With Debo Samuel likely out two to three weeks with a hamstring, Ayuk's Ayuk should step into the number one wide receiver role in San Francisco. With Shanahan sure to manufacture plenty of touches for the explosive rookie, he should be a decent wide receiver too, with high weekly upside for as long as Samuel was out. Antonio Brown, 75% ESPN, 78% Yahoo. Brown was added in many leagues already following his signing with Tampa last week. But if he was overlooked or if your league only allows once-a-week waiver ads, then Brown is worth a dart throw if he can stay as far as far uh, stay clean as far as uh, field issues go. He could be a wide receiver, too, as soon as he steps onto the field versus New Orleans in Week 9. Cole Beasley, 42 in ESPN, 41 in Yahoo. It's baffling how Beasley is still rostered in so few leagues. He's scored double-digit points in PPR every single week since week two. And with John Brown out versus the Jets, Beasley led the team in targets, receptions, and yards with 11 for 112. If Brown misses another week, Beasley will be a strong wide receiver too versus New England this week with the defense likely focused on stopping Stephon Diggs. Christian Kirk, 49 in ESPN, 55 in Yahoo. We talked about Kirk on our preseason show and our waiver, uh, waiver wire section last week, and he came through with two touchdowns versus Seattle. His involvement in the offense has steadily trended up, averaging 80% of the snaps over the last two games. He should be added if you have the roster room, even with Arizona on a bye this week. His target share could continue to grow after the bye week. Mike Williams, 53 in ESPN, 60% in Yahoo. Williams is one of the best contested catch wide receivers in the league right now. With rookie Justin Herbert looking far more developed than expected, Williams is a weekly boomer bust flex with high upside, even though all three touchdowns versus Jacksonville went to non-fantasy relevant players. Travis Fulgham, 47 in ESPN, 31 in Yahoo. With Ertz, Goddard, and Jackson all hurt, Fulgham should continue to see high target volume versus an awful Dallas defense, making him a strong wide receiver too this week. That said, with Goddard, Rager, Jeffrey, and Ertz expected back in the coming weeks, Fulgham remains a short-term answer at wide receiver. Jalen Rager, 10% in ESPN, 14 in Yahoo, and Alshon. Jeffrey, 11% in ESPN, 12 in Yahoo. Yes, we've long passed the days where I can say Elshon without saying his last name and expecting people to know who he is. We've seen Fulgham shine with Wentz having a few healthier receiving options, but let's not forget the high expectations for this explosive rookie. Jeffrey could also be a contributor in the deeper leagues once he returns. Preston Williams, 35 in ESPN, 22 in Yahoo. Williams has been trending up despite relatively low target shares, but this offense could be even more efficient with Tua Tagovailoa making his debut this week. Now's the time to add Williams if you have the roster space given his upside, especially if Tua spreads the ball around more than Fitzpatrick did. Richard Higgins, 0% in ESPN, 2% Yahoo. With Odell Beckham out early after tearing his ACL, Higgins tied Landry to lead the team in targets with six each. With Beckham done for the season, Higgins could be a flex option in PPR. And Kendrick Bourne, 2% in ESPN, 3% in Yahoo. Ayuk figures to be the prime beneficiary of the Debo Samuel injury, but Bourne should step back into a role in the San Francisco offense. With Seattle's secondary giving up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, Bourne is a desperation wide receiver floor with high upside for this week. And finally at the tight end position, we've got Dallas Goddard, just 29% roster in ESPN, 47% in Yahoo!, with Wentz desperate for receiving help, Goddard should immediately step into a high target share upon his return, whether it's this week or after Philadelphia's bye in Week 10. If you have the roster space, he should be stashed as a potential top 5 tight end for the rest of the season. Ertz should be stashed as well, depending on the number of bench spots in your league. 
Richard Rogers, 4% in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. We mentioned Rogers as a decent flyer on last week's show with both Ertz and Goddard out, and he came through against the Giants with six catches for 85 yards on eight targets, which was second only to Fulgham's 11 targets. Rogers remains a great short-term option again this week before Goddard and Raider, excuse me, Rager both likely return from IR after the bye. Eric Ebron, 51% roster in ESPN, 46% in Yahoo. We said to go back to him last week, even after a disappointing game against Cleveland two weeks ago, and Ebron had a serviceable six catches for 50 yards against the Titans. He remains a decent streamer against the Baltimore defense that's given up a lot of catches to opposing tight ends. Trey Burton, 6% in ESPN, 21% Yahoo. Burton had a nice day against the Bengals prior to the Colts' bye, but he still played on just 56% of the offensive snaps. He's likely to remain the preferred receiving option among the Colts' tight ends, but remains a touchdown-dependent tight end too. Drew Sample, 2% ESPN and Yahoo. We can't trust his target share week to week, but he's shown to be serviceable whenever Cincinnati has to pass a ton, and they should need to again this week against a high-powered Tennessee offense. The Titans are also top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends, having just allowed 6 for 85 and a touchdown to Darren Fells and 6 for 50 to Eric Ebron in back-to-back weeks. Harrison Bryant, 1% owned in both roster, or both 1% in both formats. If you're desperate, Austin Hooper should be back from his appendectomy this week, but with Odell Beckham out for the year, we could see even more two tight end sets from Cleveland. Bryant has proven to be an explosive receiver and the preferred option over David Joku. And a few options at DST. Kansas City, 67% in ESPN, 96% in Yahoo. The Chiefs defense is rostered in most leagues, but with the Jets up next, it's worth noting that they're somehow still available in 33% of ESPN leagues. They are a most start this week. Philly. 69 in ESPN, 84 in Yahoo. Like the Chiefs, the Eagles' defense is rostered in most leagues, but with Dallas up next, possibly starting their third-string quarterback, it's worth noting that they're available in 31% of ESPN leagues. Tennessee, 14% in ESPN, 27 in Yahoo. Joe Burrow is playing great, but the Bengals' offensive line is still allowing plenty of sacks and resultant turnovers. Tennessee should be able to get some pressure on them. And Miami, 15% in ESPN, 14 in Yahoo. If you're desperate, the Dolphins' defense has been playing well, and Goff and the Rams have been hot and cold. They'll also have a short week to prepare after playing Chicago on Monday night. And that'll do it for this week. Uh, hopefully you guys are doing well uh, in your leagues. And if not, uh, keep working that waiver wire. Throw out some trade offers. It's still not too late. Uh, we're only just past the halfway mark in the regular season for fantasy. So still some time here. Uh, if you're not mathematically eliminated, you should be making every move you can to win this week and the coming weeks. As always, if you have more specific questions regarding your team or league, we're happy to answer questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S, Los. And you can find us, the Fantasy Football Ethics Podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of, of our upcoming podcast episodes. They'll be ready for you Tuesday mornings. It's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of... 
This place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.